We, yeah, it's on now. We, uh, we love to come to Redeemer. Uh, I was talking to Betty earlier. You guys are a real church. We love being in real churches. Those are really the only churches that would have me anyway. Uh, nobody else would invite me to come and speak. And um, so, well, you know, greetings from all your brothers and sisters from all over the world. Uh, that worship Jesus Christ at the International Church of Milan. This is our 12th year, and yes, I started off in BSF. Um, it's where I learned the Bible. My first study was Genesis, and I was changed in watching this love affair between God and Abraham. And I wanted that. I wanted that love affair that I saw there. And... Uh, I guess that's what I'm going to talk a little bit about this morning, how to pursue and deepen that love affair. God tells us it's not a mystery. He tells us how it works, and we'll touch on that as we take a look at Scripture. If you would, open with me to Hebrews chapter 11. It's what the book is about. It's in my view, if you read Hebrews 11, you, you come away with the distinct impression that these people did not live careful lives. Hence the title of the book, Uncareful Lives, Lives Given Over Completely, Utterly, Totally to God. No qualifications, no reservations, no rationalizations. I belong to Jesus. He is mine and I am His. And I will obey him no matter what that looks like, no matter how much it costs. This is biblical Christianity. This is what biblical Christianity always looks like in the New Testament. And has always looked like down through the history of the church. Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Some of you may have been here. How many of you were here? It was December 29, 2013 was the last time I preached here. Some of you may remember. I see some hands going up. And some of you may remember all we did was look at God. I, I told you. Anytime I come to a church like Redeemer, I know I'm not going to teach you very much. You guys are a biblically literate church. You already know the word. It's never, when I come to a church like this, it's not about what you know or don't know. It's about what you're doing or not doing. Uh, I know you know the truth. I know the leadership of your church. I know they give you biblical truth. So the question is, are you doing it? Are you doing the truth? This is biblical Christianity. It's not simply that we are orthodox. It's that we are disciples. Of course, you need to be orthodox. <laughs> and if you're coming to Redeemer, you will be. But Jesus has called us to an extreme and radical kind of life. For the few moments we're left on this planet, we are, as James says, we are vapors upon the earth. Beloved, you don't have time to sweat the small stuff. You don't have time. You need to walk out this door, 
this morning and obey Christ radically in every sphere of your life, whatever that looks like for you. It's different for each of us to one degree or another. So we looked at God back in December of 2013, and I told you He was an awesome God. And I remember I got a few amens on that. He's an awesome God. You can obey Him with glad, reckless joy, and you should obey Him with glad, reckless joy, because He's God and nobody else is. Amen? He's not only with us and in us. Someone tell me from Romans 8. I'm going to get in your space, so sorry. You should never sit on the front row. This is, this is Karen's cardinal rule at, at the International Church of Milan. Never sit on the front row because I'm always in somebody's face. Just read the red words. Just read them. You know what you're called to. You're called to an uncareful life of radical faith. <coughs> Whatever Jesus calls you to, you just, we just go, right? We, we go. We cannot not go. Amen? How can we not follow Him? This, you know, we had these great songs and this great prayer time. This God who took on flesh was nailed to a tree. How can you live that small, beloved? How can you do it? You can't do it. If you're truly converted, you can't do it. Now, you can play church with God for the whole of your life and never become a disciple, never truly step out in faith, never get out of your boat, get out of the boat and walk on the water. But disciples do. Disciples do. Jesus has never called anybody to be a church member. He's called us to be, you tell me, disciples. So that's the question for you and me this morning. Are we disciples? Or do we just come to church when it's not too inconvenient? Is it real? Every day you wake up, is it real? Do you remember who He is and what He's done? Do you remember? Does it change every single day of your life that He's a great God and He died for you? Does it change every day of your life? It has to change every day of your life. It has to change every relationship. It has to change the way you do your job, the way you love your spouse, the way you raise your kids. It has to change everything. If it hasn't changed everything, then that's why I'm here. I'm here to remind you. That's all I do when I come to Redeemer. I'm not going to teach very much. You already know this stuff. I'm reminding you what you're supposed to do with it. You're supposed to go out in the world and live it in such a way that men and women watch you and they go, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, I love Francis Chan. I, I hope he hasn't said something heretical in the last year or so. I haven't, I haven't followed him, I, but, but we did a, a study uh, with the young adults. Uh, a few years ago, from Crazy Love, and, you know, he said something in there. How did he say it? He says, something's wrong when your life makes sense to unbelievers. You call yourself a Christian? I, I would go a step further. I would say, everything's wrong if you call yourself a Christian 
and your life makes sense to your colleague at work who is an unbeliever or your unbelieving neighbor, everything's wrong. Beloved, how you live is your evangelism. It's where your evangelism starts. I was sharing with a brother just the other day, you know, a lot of our evangelism falls short because nobody actually sees it being incarnated in our lives. There's a lot of dead religion in the world, and pseudo-Christianity is another one of them. People want reality. Will you really love them? Will you really share the truth with them? Will you really serve them? Will you be sacrificial in all of those things? God is an awesome God. Jesus Christ is an awesome God. And it's, I guess it's the burden of my preaching. Karen says, well, you preach the same thing all the time. I can't help it. <laughs> I've been enamored with him. He converted me at the age of 28. I've been in church all my life. Yeah, we meet in a little refurbished garage, and it's not a problem for us in Milan, so. Keep going. I love Psalm 99.1. So sorry. Don't you love Psalm 99.1? The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He's enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth shake. Amen? Let the earth shake. Jesus Christ is God. And we are His church. And we fearlessly and sacrificially proclaim that He is God. Nobody else is. We're not apologetic about it. We don't grovel about it. It's the truth. It's the truth forever. It can never be changed. And so my question to you is, are you living it large or not? Are you living it huge or not? I'm here to remind you that God expects you to live your faith huge. It's Hebrews 11. It's Hebrews 11. God defines faith for us in that great chapter. And then the rest of the chapter, he illustrates what it is and by default what it is not. It's not merely attending church when it's not too inconvenient. It's about men and women who went out in the world and risked everything because they believed God. This is what real faith looks like. It always looks like this. And I know... As many denominations as you can number, each denomination has their own formula for what true faith should look like. Well, I don't really care what any of them say. They may say some good things, but I don't really care. All I want to know is what does God say? In Hebrews 11, God says, I changed the lives of my people and they live like it. Every day they get up, they live like it. Not flawlessly or perfectly, of course. We all understand that. I appreciated Bob's prayer time. We must confess our sin. It's not about perfection. It's about perseverance. It's about pressing on. 
It's about sanctification. I am moving on with God. I will finish with God. Amen? In Hebrews 11, the men and women finished with God. Man, you read that list of men and women there, and there's some real problem issues in those lives. Serious problems. (laughs) Serious sin. But they loved God, and they finished with God. I turned 60 a month ago. And this has been on my mind so much, I keep telling Karen. You know, people in the States say, when are you coming home? When I die! <laughs> I understand what they mean. But Karen, now we're just on our way home to God. He said, hey, on your way home, just stop by Milan and teach some of my people who are in transit through Milan. And we love it. It's just, it fills our hearts with tremendous joy. You know, if you actually do what God calls you to do, you will experience divine joy in your life. You say, Jim, I don't have any joy in my life. Well, I will say to you, it's not God's fault. If you don't have any joy in your life, and you call yourself a Christian, you're not obeying God somewhere. I know that for sure. But I turned 60, and I told Karen, I said, No, I probably have, God willing, I might have 10 good years left. I have friends that are, that, that are older, and it's just a physical reality. Once you get into your 70s, things change. Maybe not for everybody, for most people. And I told Karen, I said, man, I just want to give these 10 years up to God. And I just want to be used up for God. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter to us. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter where we are. It's just an errand on the way home to God. People say, don't you want to come home to to, to Little Rock? If it's God's will, I do with all my heart. But if it's not God's will, I don't. We know what it's like to simply just obey the Lord. Just open your hands. You You know what I'm talking about. You just open your hands. And it's all God's. You know what I'm talking about. Those of you who are true disciples, you know, you just open your hands. It's all God's. It's not yours anymore. Nothing's yours. You understand it. You understand that nothing is yours. Nehemiah 9.32 says, The great, the mighty, and awesome God, Jesus Christ. I love, there's a couple of chapters there in Isaiah 40, 42, 43, 44. God says, I'm God and nobody else is. And I love those chapters. He says, I'm the first and the last. I'm the only God there is. There is no other. Beloved, are you living your Christianity like that's true? Do your colleagues know that Jesus Christ is God and nobody else is God? Because of how you're living your life. He is the omnipotent God. And you may recall, I got into the chorus and Karen critiqued me for it last time I was here. She often critiques me. She's a, a wonderful wife. <laughs> but her advice, her advice is always good advice, good counsel. Some of you may remember, last time I was here, I was enamored and I'd recently heard an African-American preacher uh, use, a, use one of the lines from uh, uh, an old spiritual and, and uh, you know, ain't nobody do me like Jesus. I just love this. I think about this. Ain't nobody do me like Jesus. It was all in the music, right? You know where you should be. We all know where we should be, right? You know where you should be. 
I should be in hell right now. I know it. Forever. But I will be with God. Forever. Ain't nobody do me like Jesus. Ain't nobody love me like Jesus. And, I, and so that's what I was talking about last time. And some of you, there's no way you could remember. But I left you with, what are we going to do with this truth? What do we do with this truth that our God is God? There is no other. He is omnipotent. He is sovereign. He does whatever He pleases in heaven and earth. He accomplishes all His good pleasure. What do we do with that? And I told you, does anybody remember? Of course you don't. It's been a couple of years. Everything! We do everything with that. Everything and anything, that's what we do with that. We don't shrink back from anything, right? Well, on our good days, right. And on our bad days, we repent of shrinking back and we get up and we push on, right? We do everything God's commanded. Jesus Christ left nothing undone. And we as His church will leave nothing undone. Amen? I guess one of... I guess I could sum up the book this way. We can do all He says because He will do all He says. And if you're not doing all He says, you haven't really believed He can do all He says. Or you would do it. You would do it. I gotta tell you, a biblical view of God, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and a constant diet of the truth, it's like cheating. I mean, you have no constraints. Zero constraints. I saw it on your wall. You walk in the, the door here. What does it say? You shall know the truth and what? You're free! And I just want to ask you, are you? You know, it's what Hebrews 11 says. They're free. These people are free. They're just free. It's not about going to church. Yeah, of course. We got it again. It's about what we do outside in the world. And the men and women of Hebrews 11, their lives gave testimony that their God, Hebrews 11, 6, is God. And what else is he? that I've drawn in my 30 years as a Christian or so, 32 years now. A lot of people believe He is. A lot of people call themselves Christians. They, they believe God is. They believe He is. They believe Jesus Christ is God. They don't believe He's good because they won't take one risk for Him. They won't sacrifice one thing for Him. It's because they don't really believe He's good. They believe this thing that He's asking me to sacrifice or this place where I live or this in my family or this career that I have or, or this pile of money that I have it's better than God I can't risk any of this because God's simply not enough I can't trust him he's not a competent God he can't keep his promises that's really what our lives say you know when we live kind of a domesticated kind of Christianity you know just a domesticated kind of tame 
Um, we're saying we like the idea. We like the, we like this theoretically. It's a great academic proposition. But <coughs> I don't really trust him. I don't think he'll show up if I take a risk. I think if I sacrifice X, Y, or Z, I'll be unhappy. Someone tell me what John 14, 21 says. You may not know, but you should. I'll just say it this way. <laughs> it's one of my life verses. It got me fired one time. And that's not always a bad thing. <laughs> My boss asked me to do something illegal, and I said, no, I won't do it. But uh, it wasn't as convincing to him as I should have been. I had a chance to go to lunch. I went to lunch, and I sat under a tree and I asked God to help me be a man of God, right? And I was doing my BSF lesson. That's what I do at lunch. I do my BSS, BSF lesson. And God takes me to John 14, 21. If you love me, what? And when you do what I say, what is, what is the promise he makes there? I will disclose myself to you. This is why real Christians, this is why real disciples go with Christ. Because of this addicting and breathtaking truth that God reveals himself to us in obedience. What happened? On Mount Moriah. What happened when Abraham did the hard thing? It's in Hebrews 11. What happened when Abraham did the hard thing? Who was with him? What happened in the fire? In the fiery furnace. What happened in the fiery furnace? What happened? Who met him there? Who met the three there? What happened when Stephen was stoned? What happened? Heaven opened up and there's Jesus receiving his first martyr. Beloved, do you really believe he's a rewarder? And here's the amazing truth. You guys know this. He's our reward. <laughs> it's not health, wealth, and prosperity. I could care less. It makes me really angry. The garbage that gets preached in the name of Jesus. And it diminishes him. It's satanic. It's demonic. You guys need to know, you guys need to be able to speak about this out there. The pseudo-Christian church, it's pandemic or epidemic, whatever the right word is. Jesus is our Hey, I know life is hard sometimes. I know it's mundane sometimes. I know you're tired sometimes. I know your body doesn't work right sometimes, but our God's still God. And our God's still good. And I'm going to do what God tells me in this mundane thing. Because He's my reward. I, I could care less about health, wealth, and prosperity. I do not care about it. I do not care. believe he's a rewarder? The men and women of Hebrews 11, they believed it. I'm just going to say it this way. If you're not radically living out your faith, 
Um, I think you have some repentance in front of you. And here's the deal. It's not only wrong. Of course it's wrong. It's loss. It's your loss. You guys get sound teaching here. God doesn't need any of us to do what he purposes to do. He does not need any of us. But the beautiful thing about Christianity is he pulls us up into it, right? He pulls us up into it. And he gives you some little errand to do. It's a great honor and a great privilege. It's an amazing thing. He lets us be at work in the kingdom. And beloved, I'm just going to go back and say it. It's our evangelism. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So he is always going to bring you to faith. He's always going to bring you to faith. He's always going to do it. There's always an issue of faith in front of the true believer. Am I going to step through this and believe God? It's never not there. If you're on the heels of Jesus, it's never not there in your life. It will always be there in your life. Faith pleases God. Of course He's going to bring you to the hard thing and the risky thing. Of course He is. Then you're going to have to believe Him by faith and step out. It's not on your resume. None of this stuff in Hebrews 11 is on any of their resumes. If it's on your resume, it doesn't take any faith. If you can look in the mirror and know you can do it, you can do it in your own strength. That's that's not what Jesus is talking about. That's not what he's talking about. It's never on the resume, the new thing. Don't you love breaking new ground with God? Don't you love it? Don't you love it? Don't you love going to a new place with God? Don't you love it? I love it. When I break through the fear and the anxiety and the doubt and the unbelief by faith, you break through and God just shows up. If you hadn't had that experience lately, I'm just going to, I'm reminding you what it's supposed to be like and how good it will feel. Health, wealth, and prosperity, seriously? You think I care? When I'm intimate, when I'm in an intimate relationship with the living God, the incarnate God, the the, the crucified God, the buried God, the, the, the risen God, the re the reigning God and the returning God. I almost always get that wrong, but I think I got it just about right. He's my God. He's my Savior. I can't do small anymore. I can't do it anymore. I can't do it. It doesn't hold my attention. It's not interesting to me. It's just not interesting to me. Only Jesus Christ is interesting. I mean, of course, if Jesus Christ is first in your life, then your spouse is really interesting to you. And your job is interesting to you in, the, in light of the fact that you're doing it as unto the Lord. You're in that place He sovereignly placed you to make much of Him. Amen? That you're in the neighborhood you're in to make much of Him. You're in the church you're in to make much of Him. You're in the social uh, circle that you're in to make much of Him. I was telling a brother this week, I played golf, it was bad. I hadn't played in six years, it was really bad. 
it was a lot of fun, so I played with some brothers. And, uh, you know, we, we were talking about these things. Of course we are word doers. Of course we are. You know, one thing I, one of the points I make in the book is, if we have a biblical view of God, disciples will exercise that freedom, that license, and that liberty that we have. To get out of the boat and walk on the water. The, the thread I pull all the way through the book is Peter getting out of the boat. And do you remember the cool thing about this? you remember the cool thing about Peter? Uh, who wanted to get out of the boat? I mean, whose idea was this anyway? It was Peter's idea. This is the hallmark of true conversion. It's this desire to go deeper with God. This ever-present desire to go deeper. Jesus Christ, if that's you out there on the water, command me come to you. Amen? We ought to be praying that all the time. This should be our perpetual prayer. Lord God, if that's you, command me come. Command me come. Command me come. Jesus will always say the same thing. He never doesn't say, come. You get disclosure. What is it, you know, what is the thing Piper has made a career out of? I love John Piper. He's a great gift to the church. God gets the glory, we get the what? Joy. You don't have any joy in your life? You're not praying that prayer. Command me, come, Lord Jesus. Command me, come. Men can't walk on water. It's impossible. Men can't walk on water. They can't walk on water unless God commands it. And Peter gets out of the boat. It's, it's insane. Something's wrong when your life makes sense to an unbeliever. You've missed the first and maybe most important part of your evangelism. You're not incarnating the truth. Faith without works, as someone tell me. God says it as clearly as he can say it in James chapter 2. It's dead. It's useless. You might as well be a demon because they believe. The demons believe. They believe in Jesus. Everything he ever said, they believe it. They are... Exceptional theologians. But it doesn't change their life. It doesn't change their heart. It's what Hebrews 11 is all about, beloved. Men and women with real faith in a real God making a real difference in the real world. God says this is what real faith looks like. It looks like Noah. Rahab, and David, and Gideon, 16 named individuals. So you, you know, you want to know what real faith looks like? That's what it looks like. That is what it looks like. I want to say just uh, maybe a sidebar here. 
without faith it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. Again, most of humanity believes that there is some God. And so the point I want to make to you is that don't, you know, when you're involved in discussions out in the world, you're out in the public square, you're out at work, whatever, and God talk starts. Well, my challenge to you is don't engage in God talk, generic God talk. You engage in Jesus Christ talk. Amen? Amen. Everybody almost, except for a few percentage points, maybe 3 to 4%, are atheists or agnostics when you get down to it. Almost everybody believes in some kind of God. But my, my challenge to you is don't ever engage in generic God talk. It's not helpful in, this, in, in, in our context anymore. It's not helpful. Because people don't really know which God you're talking about. And, and you know, you might be talking about some pseudo-Jesus. You're talking about the biblical Jesus. I would just always make that clarification. James says in, in uh, chapter 1 there, he says, Those who merely hear the word are what? Anybody remember the word he uses? They are deluded. They hear the word, but they don't do the word. And I, I guess maybe that's maybe the most pointed question I have for you as you sit there today. Are you delusional? Or are you a disciple? There's really no middle ground here. You, there's no place in the middle here. You're either delusional you think you can play religion with God, or you are a disciple. You are a go with Jesus. No price is too high. No risk is too great. Disciple. There is no middle place that I can find in the Bible anywhere. We're delusional, or we are disciples. <laughs> and I come to simply remind you of that biblical reality. So, in all honesty, I'm way off my notes. I have no idea where I am on my notes. It doesn't really matter. How long have I preached? Someone tell me, because I don't, I don't want to go too long. 35 minutes. Maybe five more minutes. Does that sound about right to you guys? Um, Karen says, you always preach the same thing. I can't help it. I wish I could preach something. I mean, I do preach verse by verse through the Bible. But this always gets in there. <laughs> He's a breathtaking God. How can you live that small? How could His people live that small? Well, the truth is we can't. The truth is if we're truly converted, if the Holy Spirit is alive and well in us, we won't. We won't live it small. We will open our hands and... We will give it to God. The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He is enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth shake. Let me give it, throw out one more John Piper quote and uh, bring it to a close. A couple quick points, just let me just say quickly. Real faith, God makes the point in Hebrews 11. That true believers, like I was saying about Karen and I, obviously many of you, 
we're, we're looking at God. That's what we look at. We're not looking at this. We're looking at this. We're looking at the Bema Seat. We're getting ready for the Bema Seat. That's what true believers look at. If you read, the, if you read Hebrews 11, you realize they're looking at heaven. They're looking at heaven. And God says, uh, therefore, men and women who live like this, God says, I'm not ashamed to be their God. Another facet here in Hebrews 11 is it does hard things. Abraham is the example, is the illustration. Moses is the illustration. They do hard things. True Christians do hard things by faith. And then lastly, true Christians engage in risky obedience. I love, here's, here's the John Piper quote. It is costly to follow Jesus. Beloved, if it, if it doesn't cost you anything, I'm not sure you're following Jesus Christ at all. You may be following some cartoon Jesus, but you're not following the incarnate God. You know, if your greatest risk is driving to church, if that's the greatest risk you ever entertain in your Christianity, you don't have any Christianity to speak of. I mean, um, Piper goes on. There are risks everywhere for the true believer. Most of you know this is true. This very risk is the means by which we value... By, by, by which the value of Christ shines more brightly. If you read there towards the end of Hebrews 11, I love, and I love this dichotomy, some escaped the edge of the sword, some were put to death by the sword. It doesn't really matter to us. The consequence of obedience is not our concern. That's God's prerogative. It's not our principle concerned. So I'm here to remind you that you're called not simply to be a church member, but to be a radical disciple of Jesus Christ. It's what I say in the book. When Jesus commands Peter to get on the water, implied in that command, come, is come and see how awesome I am. You'll never know until you exercise extreme and radical faith, you'll never know just how... Listen, ICM, International Church of Milan, it's a long shot every day. I was sharing with Karen yesterday. We walked around the lake, and I said, I just hope God... You know, we're, it's just so hard. We lost so many people this summer, so many people we loved and poured into. We just we lose them. It happens every year. But, but it's a long shot every day, but God keeps the doors open. He just does it. 800 people, 80 nations, 12 years. We're on the water every day with God. If He doesn't show up, it ends in six months. It just ends. So I, I come humbly to tell you He's a trustworthy God. He is a competent God. And whatever's keeping you, whatever's keeping you from radically obeying God, I want to say to you, it's a lie. Whatever it is, it's a lie. It's a lie. You think I can't radically obey because of this or because of that or because of the other thing. It's a lie. Satan has sold you a lie. Your life is too short. Your life is too short. To play it safe. To play it safe. You can do all he says because he will do all he Lord, help us. Help us to be your people. Help us to be your people. You know our struggles. You know our frame. 
Lord, may we incarnate the stunning reality that this carpenter from Nazareth is God. May we incarnate that, Father. Help us, Lord, we pray. Help us in our sin. Help us in our fear. Help us in our anxiety. We all here confess our need and our weakness. We look to you. You are the great God. You are the God of Psalm 99.1. You are the great God. We give all praise, glory, and honor to the name of Jesus Christ. It's in his name that I pray. Amen.